So, back for another episode. Hey Blair, what's happening? Um, not much, just uh, relaxing. Um, What'd you do on the weekend? Ta- I went to New York City with my wife, and we saw a couple plays. We saw Funny Girl and Fat Ham, which was a uh, a rendition of Hamlet, but done in like a black barbecue like so it was a black family having a barbecue but it was the story of hamlet it was really interesting it was, oh, it was hilarious that sounds pretty cool yeah. nice That's... yeah what about you what would you get into this weekend <coughs> um well um i went mountain biking for the first time and i i learned not to ride slowly because then you don't go over the rocks and i went flying into a bush you went too slow, and yeah. oh, and and co- it couldn't clear the rock. Wow! Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. I went flying into a bush. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I won't be doing that again. Yeah, you have to fully nice. fully commit, or you know, or it won't work. And so it's very interesting for sure. There's, uh, I think there's there's quite a bit of things you know in fitness and sport where it's like if you don't just go for it, then you're more unstable and less like sure footed. Isn't it interesting how not all the skills are transferable? No matter how long you've been a personal trainer, gone to the gym, done sports, you try something new, and sometimes the skills just don't transfer over instantly. <laughs> there was like science to that too, wasn't it? Where it's like um, certain like kinetic chain movements, like squats, are going to transfer into more actual field power or movement power than like a leg extension you know they're working the same muscle ideally but one is just simply to stimulate muscle growth and the other one is actually transferable into power usage but it's also um a mental capacity like um you know if you don't if you can't relate one skill to another or see how it fits into your new skill that you're trying to do adapt it then your body just sort of freezes in that moment. And that's kind of what happened to me, I guess. Yeah. It's also the specificity principle. If you uh, want to get better at mountain biking, the only way to really do it is to mountain bike. It was hard, you know. I had doms for days afterwards. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, right. What are we talking about today, Blair? Uh, you said you wanted to talk about intermittent fasting. Which I think is a, a great a great topic for a podcast about bullshit. <laughs> well, um, you want to be for or against? I don't know yet. I'm mm. kind. I kind of want to see where, where you're at because I I could argue some of the proponents of it, but traditionally I am not an intermittent fasting supporter but i'm also have you ever done it yep sure have yeah yeah me too i I know the benefits of it too but i also know the cons hmm i could argue both too yeah so why don't we just in this episode let's talk and if it feels like we're agreeing too much then one of us can can play devil's advocate all right sounds good all right so all right where we starting at what is intermittent fasting yeah, that's already a good question. So intermittent fasting, we'll talk about it in, in the popular culture, the current, which is it's a diet technique of 
restricting food intake for a specific amount of time, uh, either daily or weekly. So I think it's it's most commonly seen as a daily restriction window. Um, most most popularly sixteen eight, which means you don't eat for sixteen hours. You do eat for eight hours, or twenty four twenty hours of fasting, four hours of eating. But there is like alternate day fasting where you eat, I believe it's less than 500 calories for one day. And then for two days you eat with um, no restriction. So it's two days on one day of 500 or less calories. Uh, So it winds up being like two and a half fasting days a week technically because that's the rotation of (laughs) of two on one off. But it's... um, so the, the the scientific term for it is not intermittent fasting. It's time restricted eating, is what yeah, you're that, going to find it listed as in the in the research. Yeah. So when did it start becoming popular? Any idea? I actually don't know that. Um, I know it, its foundation is from religious practices, uh, Ramadan, and. Um, you know, some of the sun up to sundown fasting techniques and it was more of a religious spiritual practice that somehow I don't yeah, I'm not sure when it really took off or became popular. You just reminded me, like, um I don't know if I've ever shared this, but I did grow up um in a religious household and so we had to do um Ramadan every year. So I actually used to fast nearly every year, but it um in Ramadan, um the way they do it is you can't eat from the moment of sunrise and then you can break your fast and start to eat from sunset. So and that's for what, thirty odd days or something? Um yeah. What so. I, I didn't know, I, I learned recently about Ramadan was if you don't complete the entire like Ramadan period of fasting. So if there's a day where for some reason you ate within the fasting window, you owe that day next year. Um, well, uh, I, to my knowledge, I mean, it's been a long time since I was a practicing, um, um, religious person. And so, um, it was, um, you, you get a couple of days after Ramadan supposed to finish to make up the ones you've missed. Um, but then I, I actually never knew about you could carry them over to the following year. Yeah, it's, uh, one of my friends, or what, sorry, one of my clients, has, he said his wife uh, owed like 15 days or something like that because they kept accumulating from like a few this year, a few that year, and you, they don't go away. <laughs> they like stick with you kind of thing. So. Interesting. Yeah, that that's a lot harder than your intermittent fasting because nothing is allowed to touch your mouth, no food, no water, no nothing. And so that's a very extreme method, whereas most people who do intermittent fasting, um, you know, it's, you're still allowed to drink water per se. Yeah, so looking at it, I Googled it because now we got to know, intermittent fasting and specifically the 5-2 diet, which is the uh, five days of eating, two days of fasting per week, um, became popular in 2012 uh, by a guy named Michael Mosley. I didn't know all this. I never heard of him. Um, I haven't either. I don't know who he is or. 
I think it's older than that because I started working in the fitness industry, what, like 2010, 2011, and people were talking about it back then as well. Yeah, uh, maybe. I mean, I think it's. it seems like it became popularized. I'm sure it existed, you know, outside of popular culture prior to that. But it's uh, apparently Michael Mosley was a British television journalist and former doctor. Okay. So why would someone consider doing intermittent fasting then, I guess? There's just, there's the big question. Why is it popular? Not, not when, <laughs> but why? Um, and so... Here's where I think we'll agree. It is why it's popular is because I think it's an easier way to create a calorie deficit than meticulously tracking calories. I completely agree. You know, I I think that's what the draw is to people is typically, and I'm not saying I agree with this, but typically when people go on a calorie restrictive diet, they are told by... You know, the old school thought process and method was, you know, you can't eat these foods anymore. You got to cut all these foods out because they're too high in calories. There is less education around how to have a good relationship with some of these higher calorie foods, calorie dense foods. Mm. And so when people would count calories, they were, you know, got to avoid this, can't eat that, no more these, you know, no more sweets, no more candy, no more sodas. And so... The idea behind intermittent fasting is you can eat whatever you want as long as it falls within a window. And so you're no longer tracking calories, you're tracking time. Yep. And naturally, when you have a limited period of window to eat, like let's say only four hours, there's only so much food you can eat in that time. And so the the most common occurrence is people are consuming less calories than they normally would in a day. Therefore, highly likely to put someone in a calorie deficit, but doesn't guarantee you're in a calorie deficit. Correct. And, and I think it depends on the style. And, and here's the biggest thing with any, you know, we want to use the term lifestyle change. I use the word diet to mean what a person eats, not a restrictive practice that they go on. But we'll use the word lifestyle change. Any lifestyle change, it has to be, in a system that works for the person. You know, if I if I take intermittent fasting as a challenge to eat as many calories as I can as opposed to a easier way to create a calorie deficit, like 16 8 hours of eating, 500 calories an hour is not hard to do if I'm not picking the right foods and that's 4000 calories in 8 hours. That's too much for my size and I'm gaining weight. You know, so if if I don't go into this with the right mindset, it's it's absolutely possible for me to overeat in an eight hour window. You know, really not even a a challenge. Like I think I could easily eat five hundred calories an hour for eight hours. Yeah, I reckon I could easily go over four thousand, five thousand calories in eight hours for sure. I reckon I already do, to be honest. <laughs> do you think so? You think you're eating that much? Yeah, I reckon I'm between somewhere between like three and four thousand a day. Yeah, I'm. I stay pretty much between twenty five and three most days. Fair. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess some weekends when alcohol comes into the picture and <laughs> it's a lot more things like that. It's yeah, it it makes up some of that difference. But 
Well, I'll tell you an interesting experience of like when I did do intermittent fasting. I did drop considerable amount of, a considerable amount of body fat. I don't think I was very high anyway. I was about 12% and I went into single figures afterwards. And so um, I did it for a holiday, <laughs> the wrong way of doing it. And then I, while doing it, I also paired it with a low carb diet and then went on holiday and uh, had a burger when we got there because, you know, on a flight, etc., you don't really have good options or you didn't back like 12, 13 years ago. Um, and I remember the first burger I had, I, I just held on to all this water retention and my leanness just disappeared. And I didn't understand about water retention and stuff back then. And I thought I completely lost it. And then boom, like I, I lost that single figure um, body fat um, very quickly over the course of like a month or so. And I found it completely unsustainable to keep. But ever since then, uh, for a long period of time, I could not, for the life of me, consume breakfast. Mm-hmm. Just, just weren't weren't hungry. Felt nauseous. Why? Well, like, I I think what intermittent fasting does, which we've spoke about before, is it kills your appetite hormone. And so, I found myself waking up not hungry, and so therefore, I didn't want to eat. And so, for a long period of time, I would say, "Well, don't eat breakfast. Like, if you're not hungry, don't eat." And then. It's only sort of in the past two, three years. So I, I probably went a good like six, seven years without eating breakfast. Um, and so I'd have to like be awake for at least two, three hours before I could consume anything. And so if I'm up at 6 a.m., I'd eat at like 8 a.m. So for some people, that's a normal time. But I just couldn't eat first thing in the morning. Um, and then when I hired a coach about uh, a year and a half ago, like he tried to train me to um, reintroduce breakfast because... He, he said, like, there's, um, you, you've trained yourself to take away um, breakfast from that series of habits that I created 10 years ago. And so I had to slowly just eat a small thing and eat a little bit more, eat a little bit more, and stop having a coffee first thing in the morning, which obviously was also suppressing my appetite. And I find I can now eat breakfast, but it took a long time to just slowly build that habit back in. I just found I couldn't eat it for a long period of time. And I do think that was because I did intermittent fasting. It's certainly possible. I mean, I think most, a lot of people, even when they're, and, and just to like lay a, a, a preface statement, I think most people are intermittent fasting all the time. And I don't mean that like they follow this rigid 16-8 type diet protocol, but very other than some extreme case like bodybuilder situations people aren't waking up you know every four hours in the middle of the night to eat some protein or drink a shake so you know the entire time you're sleeping you know plus the hour or whatever you cut food off in the evening prior to bed and the hour or whatever while you're waking up before you eat food like that is a eight to ten to twelve hour fasting window where well, you are fasting intermittently. I mean, it's it's you're, you're not doing it intentionally, but it is, you know, most people are. And I think, you know, people wind up not giving themselves enough time in the morning to make breakfast and 
so they skip it or they you know work odd hours so they aren't hungry at 4:30 in the morning when they wake up going to the gym prior to starting work at whatever time and so over time yeah they they wind up ruining their hunger hormone responses so they don't feel hungry at certain times of the day and i actually don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that unless it causes disordered eating patterns later in the evening. I didn't eat for most of the morning, and then at the end of the day when I'm no longer distracted, I start eating anything that gets in front of me. Or, you know, I skip breakfast and my other meals and snacks are not well-structured, so I'm getting nowhere near enough protein or vitamins or fiber or whatever else it is that they're not nailing because they're skipping meals. That's when it becomes a problem. I actually don't really think that there's a problem with skipping a breakfast unless it's causing bigger issues throughout the, the total diet. Well, that's where I was trying to get breakfast back because I was training for, um, you know, a, a, quite an intense competition. And so therefore I needed to introduce more food back into my day uh, because, you know, we all have jobs and we have to work. And so around my other meals, I literally couldn't fit more food because I had to work. And so you know, I had to find a way to reintroduce breakfast so that I didn't have to take breaks away from work so that I could eat. And so, um, but I did, I did find it difficult to reintroduce breakfast and I found that interesting. But um, I guess let's talk about some of the pros and cons of intermittent fasting. You know, um, so most people that we're aware of tend to start intermittent fasting for weight loss purposes not everyone and we and we know there's other reasons why people start intermittent fasting before people start you know attacking us like oh no no i didn't do it for that reason you know but like um you know that's what i tend to see as a personal trainer i'm not sure if you also see that uh blair as a registered dietitian but um i tend to find people come to me going oh i tried intermittent fasting and i lost loads of weight and then they regained the weight and I'm like, when did that happen? And they're like, when I stopped intermittent fasting. So where do you think the pros and cons lie of intermittent fasting? Okay, do you want to handle this? Let's let's both go over the pros and then we'll both go over the cons. Or do you want to hear my pros and cons and you'll go next? I'll go through, you go, go through your pros and cons and I'll challenge anything that I think we can talk about in more depth. Sure. So first pro, I think people do wind up losing weight doing intermittent fasting. Uh, con, we can't be certain that weight loss is purely fat. Completely agree. Um, I think a decent number of people, just because of the drastic reduction in calories, wind up losing muscle and water weight. You know, I think when people are doing it correctly, still monitoring their calorie, protein, etc. intake and eating a well-balanced diet, they do see body fat improvements. But I, I think... For the average person jumping into it, even yes, they are losing weight, but the weight may not be as healthy as and and like you said, a lot of weight rebound. Okay. Um, I think pro, it's an incredibly good mental challenge for people to to try out. Yeah, great for um, mental resilience. Like I do agree. Con, I think it can create excessive rigidity around breakfast is bad or this is, you know, it's intermittent fasting is the only way to live. I think it does at times create a almost religious or cult following. 
Yeah, when it comes to that, I do think people uh, use their personal experience of intermittent fasting and and like it's a live or die by it mentality. It's like a no, it's it's the only way, it's the best way. You have to do it. It's the it's the only way you're going to lose weight, but you know, I think if people believe there's only one way to lose weight, you know, chances are, you know, they're trying to sell you some snake oil. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I used to always say if, uh, if people promise you all positives with no negatives, you're joining a cult. And that's kind of what intermittent fasting has become to some degree in my mind. Um, and then final one, I think uh, there is evidence that intermittent fasting improves insulin resistance and improves what's called autophagy. Uh, so fasting increases the macrophages that get produced and those are those it's your cellular cleansing process. So autophagy is used to remove cellular waste and things of that nature. Uh, cons, it's not the only thing that does those things. Exercise and a calorie deficit also increase those things independent of intermittent fasting. Um, yeah. And... I think I think improvements in insulin resistance is a good thing, but improvements in, or increases in autophagy is not necessarily a good thing. You know, too much of anything is a bad thing. That's you know by definition too much equals bad. You know, so like just because it upregulates autophagy doesn't necessarily mean that's good or something that you want. So that's one that I hear quite a lot. A lot of people bring up, oh well, it. It creates autophagy, but, you know, and then after talking to numerous people, me and you both, you know, a lot of people can't clarify when you're in autophagy, you know, people don't know when you're in autophagy, if your body's going through the autophagy process, Um, you know, it happens at some point, but then I'm also hearing some people say it happens in a normal sleeping period of a sleeping window of like eight hours. And then I've got other people saying, you know, you need to be in a 24 hour fast for it starts or a 32 or a 48 hour fast for it to start. So, you know, can we break down some of the myths around this? Do you know much more about it? And I, I think the easiest way to kind of break it down is, when is like what's the amount that's good and is upregulating it necessarily a good thing so i i do it does happen during sleep and it does happen after exercise and it does happen when you know uh people fast i believe it's 24 to 36 hours shows a marked increase in macrophage upregulation but does that mean it's doing its thing at 24 to 36 hours or simply more of it is being produced? And so there's a lot of questions there, you know, whether it's absolutely better for you or it's something that you want to have happen. Like, I I think there's still some ambiguity there. And unfortunately I think it is going back to the religious extremist mindset around intermittent fasting is people see positive benefits. They've struggled with weight their whole life, their weight comes down and that mental resilience creeps in. And so then someone presents a somewhat scientific argument with this autophagy thing and they'll cling to it like, Oh, that's, that's what made me feel better was there is science behind. It's not just a mental challenge that made me feel good. And it's not just that I finally lost weight after all these years of failure, but this autophagy thing is something semi-concrete I can grab a hold of, even though I don't understand it, and say it's the magic bullet, it's it's the magic pill that saved my life, kind of deal. 
Yeah, a lot of people are like searching for this autophagy or talk about it as a benefit, but people don't actually understand like like who who should be going through autophagy, who is it benefiting more, who's it benefiting less? Like, you know, like for what reason do you feel the need to be in autophagy? You know what I mean? Like I understand maybe someone who maybe has cancer or something wants to try it just to help improve with repair but why are everyday people trying to go through autophagy you know and sometimes it's people who have horrendous lifestyles who are just absolutely battering their bodies with alcohol drugs and whatever else and then they go on these retreats for a week and they fast for a week and they're like oh I went through autophagy I've cleansed my body and then they go and ruin their bodies again and it's like well, it doesn't quite work like that. Yeah. Oh, and the people that do regular fasting, fast that, you know, they do they do a 36-hour fast every time they've, you know, done something like this where you said they've ruined their body kind of concept. Um, you know, but I think it's, you and I can probably both agree it's about flexibility. Yeah. You know, what intermittent fasting does for people is it gives them something to, focus on. I think the magic behind intermittent fasting is that two of the hardest times during the day to eat well-balanced and healthfully are morning. Most people, if they don't have time to make eggs, are going to wind up doing Pop-Tarts or pastries, something quick, laden with sugar, or they're going to go to fast food. So chop that off. Let's not start eating until 10 or 11, basically lunch. And then the evening where when people are no longer busy with work and preoccupied and they haven't eaten enough throughout the day, so they, you know, wind up going to chips and cookies and snacky foods, you know, the, the research and, and the mindset behavior styles indicate that when you're trying to eat intuitively, eating earlier is better than eating late, not because calories at night impact you more, but because the food choices are worse, you're more likely to eat a nice chicken sandwich or a shrimp Caesar at lunch, but you're probably not going to pick that at 9 PM while you're watching TV. And so it's a, uh, you're chopping off two of the more difficult times of the day to eat healthfully. And that forces you to load your calories into a window of 12 to eight or 11 to seven, where you're going to make better food choices on average. Yeah, we have to wrap up, I guess. But um, something that I I do want us to touch on maybe another time if we come back to this topic is from a weight loss perspective. One of the reasons why it's unsustainable is because, or, or why it's not necessarily one of the best methods is because it, it does the same as what every diet does, which is has a higher chance of putting you in a calorie deficit, but people don't understand food choices any better than they did before. And so it's actually just putting a plaster or a Band-Aid, whatever you want to call it, um, on the problem because you have restricted your calories. But then guess what? The people who come away from intermittent fasting, they tend to just go back to those eating habits they were they had before which was they lacked moderation of certain foods so they just cut them out completely guess what happens when you go back to those foods you're probably still not going to moderate them which is probably also one of the indicators of what causes people to regain weight when they come away from such diets and so 
Um, I think that's something we can touch on in more depth another time. I'll add it to the list. I call it dietary scapegoating. <laughs> yeah, there's pros and cons, but I personally don't think it's sustainable unless you choose, you're going to choose to do it for the rest of your life, really. I don't think it's something you, you can come in and out of. And so if you're choosing to do intermittent fasting as a lifestyle, and that means for the rest of your life, then I think it's something worth keeping in. But if it's something you're just choosing for a period of time to lose weight, I think, you know, you're not actually dealing with the problem. It's uh, how do we feel about intermittent fasting? Uh, for some people, it sucks. For other people, it's probably pretty great. Unfortunately, the answer to all good questions is it depends. It always depends. <laughs> yep. So, all right. Until next time, everyone. You can find us at a healthy debate podcast on Instagram. If you give us a follow and we're happy to be in contact with any of you guys and we'll post a lot of clips and do Q and A's and whatnot on there coming up. So, um, speak to you soon. A healthy debate runs purely on fat and is completely free of banned substances. This episode was edited by Blair Solberger. So if it sucks, blame him. The next episode will be out in a week wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at A Healthy Debate or on YouTube at youtube.com slash at A Healthy Debate.